Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. And I am your host, Technicia, where we have real people on here with real experiences, always giving us the ins and outs of all the solutions that you may be afraid of to confront or have no idea of how to confront it. And also they have all the wonderful books that unfold into our lives that gives us inspiration and lighten us with every momentum that we can possibly experience. But today is April the 4th, 2017. Excuse me for my voice. It looks like it want to go in and out for some reason. And we are already into spring, beautiful pollen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me for that pollen, but... uh. They can keep the pollen, but I'm enjoying this good weather right now. It looks like we're looking at a good day of sunshine. Yesterday, we went to look through showers yesterday, and they came down really hard on us. So I hope everybody was safe that moment. But with me again, I don't know if everybody remembered my guest from about two years ago. I had my wonderful guest on, and we had discussed about one of her books, um, let me see if I can take it back for you a little a little bit. Um, um, actually, I can't, but I will definitely make sure that I end up telling you more about that. But she's back with me again. If you remember um, Lynn Cochran Murphy, actually, her book that we discussed on my program was Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind. That was of 2015. But now today she steps out with a book that she just produced about two months ago. It came out February 23rd. It's Unfolding the Mystery of Self, We Are Never Alone. And this has already been Amazon number one bestseller status and paperback and in Kindle. And I actually have it on Kindle. And it's, it's a wonderful book. It's more than the title itself. But as we all know, Lynn is one of my favorite guests. She is an intuitive consultant specializing in helping people move forward on their spiritual path. She channels. She offers theta healing, readings, access bars that facilitates physical healing, emotional growth, and removes blocks to a life of joy, meaning, and purpose. With decades of experience teaching and counseling, she uses her skills to guide people forward in their quest using a variety of tools to fit each individual's circumstances and like I said, with her new book, she goes well beyond her story of tragedy, trauma, and living hope. And unfolding the mystery itself explores that spiritual journey of study and mystical experiences. And she describes the development of psychic and healing gifts, moving beyond one's personality to awareness and enlightenment isn't just for Buddhists. Hmm. So do call in with your questions and responses at three four seven four six three seven five one. Lynn and I will be glad to hear those and she'll be glad to answer those. I thank you so much. This this the first journey was wonderful with you. Now this second journey is is grand for me. I'm glad to have you back on. Thank you, Technicia. I'm really glad to be here too. I enjoyed our last conversation and was looking forward to today. 
Me too. The first book was grand. Now we have this book out. Let's explain what this book is all about. Why did we come to this point? What made you want to write this second book? I'm one of those people that um, the book is inside me and it's just fighting to get out. So if I don't sit down and write, I get I get cranky. So um, this one, um, I continued doing writing retreats, and this is what came out. And it's it's interesting because it is kind of a follow-up to the previous book, where the previous book was Living Hope was about um, – the challenges that I went through in my earlier years up to age 25 and um, how I developed a spiritual life out of that that seemed to be my coping mechanism was going to God. And um, But now when I look back, I realize that I had had all these mystical experiences. So in this book, I talk about that and I talk about um, the healing work that I do and what it is to be a healer and um, how we get there and how awkward it is at times. And then there's sections just about the spiritual journey, about um, not only about Christ, because I do talk, there's a chapter just on Jesus, but on Babaji and other spiritual teachers are referring to what I learned by studying Buddhism. So it's, um, it's a journey. It's about the fact that we're on a journey and we don't have to play by the same rules that we were taught as children. I think I said that in the last book too, that um, it's good to question what we were taught and it's good to, um, you know, if your church doesn't feed you, to find another church, to find what does because it's so important that we get our spiritual nourishment. So those are just some of the topics that are in unfolding the mystery of self. I definitely agree with all those topics, especially the one about your church. If it's not feeding you, you need to find another one because if they can't help you, then they're not the right church for you. And that's why I had to move on from a church when I had a house fire and I felt oh. they couldn't reach out to me. Mm. And they couldn't reach out to me. I said, well, it's time for me to make my men's here and move on to another church home. So that's exactly mm-hmm. what I did. Now, um, Lynn, who do you think is the appropriate audience for unfolding the mystery of self? Can we give this book to children at at a teenage? I would say teenage on. I'm like 17, um, and okay. maybe even a little younger, um, because it does talk about things that happened early in my life that um, I didn't understand until later. You know, there's an example where um, I had a vision. I was probably in my 20s, had a vision, and um, just kind of had to say, okay, I don't know what that meant. I'll just set that aside. And then years later, um, like five years later, I was in a different location, and I saw what I had seen in that vision, and then I knew, oh, it was like a premonition. And, you know, it's good to know about those things when you're young, so you have a clue. You're not alone. Exactly. Children need to be exposed to new things that will only better them, though. <laughs> only, only for the best. Now, right? Why the? I love, I love the beginning of unfolding the mystery of self. Okay, because we all need to know who who we are. And I think I spoke about that previously with another guest. He was into the Buddhist um, lifestyle, and he spoke on 
how we're not by our titles. Like we call ourselves mom, dad, sister, brother, but those are just titles. That's not who we are. So that's why I was very interested in your book, Unfolding a Mystery Itself, because who are we? That's a question that we should ponder every single day, wonder who are we. And that takes a lot to evaluate ourselves. But what really tricked me was the subtitle, We Are Never Alone. Why that subtitle, Lynn? Because I talk in the book several times about about experiences that I've had that uh, made me realize that I wasn't alone. And they're from things like both, and I, I quote, my, my sister wrote a little piece for me in here. Um, both of us had experiences with our, our mother after our mother died. Within like 24 hours, um, our mother visited us at separate times, um, separate places, and um, we both were very aware that it was real. Um, and that was the beginning of me knowing that when people die, they don't um, disappear. They're just less accessible. Like I could sense that my mother was in the room. I knew that she was there. I could feel her. Um, but I couldn't hear what she was saying because I hadn't developed that ability at that at that age. Um, where my sister felt her as if she'd wrapped her arms around her and, and showed her how much she loved her. So we had different experiences, and that's important. Um, after that, I also talk about some of the times that um, angels have come and spoken to me, particularly in meditation. Um, and I, I also talk about it because People have these experiences where they'll be driving down the road and they'll see something out of the corner of their eye, and they'll go, "Huh, what was who? Who was that?" And they'll turn and they'll look, and there's no one there. And that is um, having a, some intuition, having some um, of the gift of, of of seeing, and we dismiss that kind of stuff. But there's really more to it. And I encourage people to consider that they really did see someone, and it's someone beyond the veil that's not in the physical, and it's okay. So there are all kinds of experiences to have. Some might be disconcerting, but mostly it's affirming that there's more to this. I mean, if you look in the Bible or any great works, there are all kinds of mystical experiences. So just because we're not in the future looking back on this time and going, oh, sure, some people had mystical experiences. No, it's real, and it's right now. You also said a minute ago, you said who we should consider, who am I? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that that's really an important question because it means that we're going deep inside. And so just because um, we have those outside labels of I'm a woman, I'm a teacher, um, I'm an Arizonan, it, that isn't who I am. The who I am is the energy of the being inside of me and what kind of being that is. That's the part that goes on when this body doesn't exist anymore. So that's how I see it. That's who I am. And in the book, I talk a lot about that, about being comfortable with it, about how we might see it, and how amazing we are because of that. Exactly. Right. 
and and that is true. We are never. When you really think about, it, we're never alone. There's spirits all around us. You may see them, right. you may not. Now I have not. I have not seen them. My husband is very spiritual. My mom, she she's also spiritual too. They can see it, and it and it frightens me. Even if they mention the word spirits, I'm like, oh my god. Do you? Is there somebody really behind? Because when my daughters were born, <laughs> I don't think I ever told you this, but when my daughter, my twin daughters were born, we stayed in the, in the house, and my husband had experienced the spirits in there. It was a lady that had passed away as well as the young boy. I don't know how the old lady, I don't know how the lady passed away, but the young boy, it was told that he was hit by a car, and they actually both stayed in our house. So it was it frightening when he would go off to work and this and I mean these my babies were just newbies and he was uh-huh. and he would tell me well I up there in this house I'm like oh that's just grand why would you tell me stuff like that like I would literally <laughs> not go to the bathroom and wait till he come home I'm like I'm just gonna wait because I don't want the spirits to be around me while I'm in the bathroom <laughs> even though I know I can they can't harm me right now but just a thought. There's so it's a presence in my house, and it's like I can't do anything yeah. about it. <laughs> so, yeah, you yeah. right. I, I, I feel my father. Oh, say that again. I say I even think I still feel my father' presence, uh-huh. and it's been over some years. Uh-huh. I'm sure you do. Um, our ancestors are are one of the groups that that tend to be around us. I've seen it with a lot of my clients that a grandfather might be standing behind him. Um, Or in my case, my grandmother used to visit me quite a bit. Um, She had great strength and calmness and so on. And so it it felt really good when she was around. I trusted that. Um, And then those other kinds, you know, like the lost ones, like the the child, um, they're people that are experts at helping those lost ones get back to the light and to move back to God. And um, you just, you know, <laughs> ask people like that to help you. That's one of the things that I do. It's not my favorite kind of work. But, um, yeah, it's easy enough to do because they're just lost. Mm-hmm. They are. They just have to pass on over into a whole nother universe, wherever they have to pass over to, but they do be lost. Um, So, Lynn, when did you know that you were an actual healer? It started, um, my first experience, I was in college, and I had a cat that was sick. And I talk about this in the book, that um, at that point I was studying Buddhism, so I did the kind of chanting and healing prayer work that they recommended. And I had taken my cat to the vet, and he was very sick, and the vet was tending to him, and he was there a couple of days. And so I just kept doing this method of prayer. And after a couple of days, the vet said, you can take your cat home. He's well. I've never seen a cat heal from this problem that fast. And so I got confirmation. He said, yeah, normally it would take a week, and, you know, your cat's ready to go home at day three. So that was a little miracle, and that was my first experience and since then, just all kinds of, um, so many things are quick and easy. You know, a person who um, has a migraine headache and just, it's gone. You know, you just do the prayer work and it's gone. Um, I'm having my first experience working with people who are, um, one is elderly um, 
89 years old. And it's not that I intend to heal her. <laughs> that can I help her transition be easier? Can I um, make her more comfortable in the process through prayer? And um, and then I have another one who has a more serious illness um, that is coming to me this week. So I know that we always make progress. It depends on um, a person's willingness to let things go and to heal and to change uh, their thinking, their beliefs, their paradigm in life. It's um, when people truly want it, it's really fast and miraculous. It is, but you also, they have to be a believer. If you doubt it, because 90, I believe just like 90% of what we do, it, it comes from your subconscious, subconscious part of your mind. So yes. you have to really believe it and know it. If you don't, you can sit there and say, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to feel better by the end of the day. Okay, your mind already know you, 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 you think you're negative already, so no. Yeah. You're not going to feel better in the day. Your mouth saying one thing, but your subconscious mind knows better. So it's very important because my mentor, she's doing that now where I'm in network marketing, but we have to start using that subconscious part of our mind. We have to believe it ourselves. You can say it every day, but do you really believe it? So I agree. Uh, I'm totally agreeing, and I know I keep saying that, but I, I really do. I agree with that so much. Even when it comes to that healing part, you have to believe that it's going to help as well. You just can't sit there and say, okay, well, I know I'm feel better, okay. But at the same time, you've still been in doubt. So mm-hmm. what healing, um, what healing um, methods do you use, Lynn, and, and why do you probably use them? Um, the first one I used was that Buddhist technique. The next one that I learned to use was um was i guess more evangelical um more the laying on the hands then after that i learned um what's called the energy healing and then i learned reiki and then um theta healing which is the one that i use the most now and then also access bars and access trauma work. So I use the um, beta healing the most. And when I refer to prayer, it's the type of prayer that we're taught in that um, training program. So we, it helps to identify the beliefs that people have that are holding them back, whether it's causing a physical ailment or just an emotional problem or blocks in their lives. So many people have blocks to success that are based upon um, I wouldn't want to have too much because my family would reject me. We always grew up in poverty, and if I had too much, then then they would ridicule me. So people might have that kind of thinking, and so we change that just to create more comfort, ease, and, and progress in life. In terms of healing, um, we do a body scan and can look inside the body and see that again that's that gift of seeing um can see and um then after that i share with the the patient or the client i'm not a doctor um share with the client 
what I saw, and then I asked them what feels most important to to work on first. Then um, I do the prayer work, decide um, if there's something underneath it that we need to address. You know, maybe it's um, a belief of when I'm taken care of by others, I know that I'm loved, and so they remain ill so that they'll feel loved. Um, but we can change that. You can feel loved without being ill and being taken care of by other people. A lot of people feel loved all the time. So that's the kind of work it, it is, and it reco- requires what is called going to the theta state, which is the, um, you know, how the brain waves change depending on what kind of activities you're doing. So they get really slow when you're sleeping. And they're pretty fast and active when you're working and chattering and and doing other tasks. Well, in theta, it slows them down almost like sleep. It's the state that um, monks who meditate for decades, it's the state that they go to. And so we learn how to do that. We do it automatically. And it's from that place where I can get real connected with God's source and pray from there, and changes. That's where the changes and the miracles happen. So it's not me alone. It's just me being trained and then working with God to um, help people get what they want, what they need. Um, And if they're willing, all kinds of things can happen. Yeah, and that was the key word. You have to be willing. If you're Mm -hmm. not willing to do it, then as we said before, it's just not going to work. Miracle... Um, miracles will work, or if I'm saying it correctly, it's just not gonna. It's just not gonna happen. You're not gonna put any work into it, like people always say. Well, God helps those. God does help those, but He helps. God helps more of the. You have to be hungry for it. He don't huh? go around just right. You got to be hungry and starving for it. He's not gonna help you if you're not willing to do put in any work for it. You're gonna sit down on the sidelines and just do a job. I can't help you get a promotion if you're not even showing me the willingness to put in the work and show me why you need to be promoted. Because that's yeah. going to come back. Why should I promote you? Right. So it's all about you got to put in the work. So, Lynn, you, you say there are no, mista- there are no mistakes. Um, please explain that to us. <laughs> yes, that's a chapter in the book. Um, I say that because usually what happens In a lot of cases, if we look back at what we thought was a mistake, we see that it was actually just right and that we couldn't see it at the time. And one of the examples I give is um, I got married really young, too young. And I, I judged myself for that as that was wrong. On the other hand, when I looked back years later, I could see that it was perfect because I grew up in a dysfunctional, alcoholic, violent household. And it was great to get out of there. And that was what my purpose was. I just didn't really <laughs> realize it at the time. And this young man was was very glad to marry me. And so it got me out of my parents' home and got me out of my own. And, and it, that was a good thing. The um, the next thing that happened is two years later, I decided to get a divorce, and I felt terrible about that. I judged myself as, as wrong. You know, I was a failure at marriage and so on. Well, a little later, I could look back at that and see, like, good for you, because now 
you got your feet back on the ground, you were on your own, and then I went on to college and um, had a good relationship with my parents and, um, you know, separate, knowing that they had their problems, but I could visit them and see them. So the divorce was perfect. And then 10 years later, I met my current husband, and we've been married 30-plus years, and it's awesome. So often things that we think that were mistakes or we did we did poorly in life, no. They're just the steps that we take along the way as we're figuring things out. And often life is better because of it. Even, even um, let's see, I was thinking of a friend who uh, had the opportunity to start a new business and he was unhappy where he worked and he wanted to move on and wanted to move on, wanted to move on. And he didn't move on until he was fired. Once he was fired, then he went and started his business. And he really, really was happy doing that. So it looked like a mistake in that he wouldn't let go of his job and move into what he wanted. So he got fired. In the long run, no big deal. It probably hurt his feelings a lot. But it opened the door for him to move on. And then he was able to do what he wanted to do. So... Yeah, I think that we just judge ourselves really harshly about things, and most of our mistakes aren't really. They're just steps along the path that get us to the next destination or the next learning. Depends on what level you're talking about. Okay. I got, I got you on that one, Lynn. Yes, I do. I understand that one now. Now, that's something I think was mentioned also in your book that you say, what is right about me that I'm not getting? Say more, mm-hmm. say more about that. Um, I learned about that through the Access Consciousness programs, and that's that, um, again, because we judge ourselves so much, if you turn your perspective and look at what's right about me that I'm not getting, then you get to focus on all the goodness that's in you. You know, so for, for you, it might be that you have the gift of speech, you have the gift of communication. You have the desire and the gift of being out in the world and, and heard by thousands of people. Those are wonderful things about you. And there's probably a lot of little wonderful attributes that you have that created all that. You know, you also sound like you have great faith, that you have wisdom. So, But we don't, we don't sit around thinking... Um, what's right about me, we tend to think about, well, I could use to lose another 10 pounds. My house is dusty. I need to get to that. What's wrong with me that I have, you know, all that kind of judgment stuff. That's part of our daily thinking. And I'm suggesting to toss that. Um, In the first book, Living Hope, I talk about greatness circle, and it's a place where people meet and talk about what's really special, what's good about them, what little decisions that they're making that um, show that they're growing or that they're peaceful. Um, So, yeah, I'm encouraging people to do that, to look at what's right about you that you weren't getting before. Because once you get into that, you realize just how wonderful of a person you are. And it's a it's a great place to be, and you know people might think, well, I'm not wonderful, or I don't know that many wonderful people. I think it's perspective. I mean, just just being a parent makes a person pretty awesome. That's a huge challenge. <laughs> it is, and 
There there are no instructions on how to be a parent whatsoever. You can, read, you can read all the manuals that you want to read. Parenting is a whole different concept. It's something that you have to pick up. It's nothing that you can really just just throw back away. I mean, we have parents out here who really don't want children, and God bless their souls. No, it's very sad when you um, neglect a child like that, but there are no rules to it. It comes it comes with learning. Each day I'm learning something different. I'm learning from mm-hmm. other parents, maybe try this with my twin daughters. No, I would not want, if I could do it over, yes. I don't want any more, but if I could do it over with my daughters, I, I would definitely, most certainly would do it over with them because it's, there's no one guiding you to, hey, this is, this is how you do it. Let me show you. I mean, they got manuals out, but, I mean, all you can do mm-hmm. is read them, but it's still a life-learning experience because mm-hmm. your experience with your child may be different from my experience with my child. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have to go through, I didn't have to go through any problems with them um, teething. So everybody does things differently. You know, all you mm-hmm. have to do, you just have to go through it. And I tell these young ladies who are ending up pregnant now, I tell them, hey, one thing about it is you can, you can do what you want, but it's yours. It's not, you're not babysitting someone else's child. It's yours, and it's something you have to keep permanently. So it's something you have to really think about. Yeah, you're talking a minimum of 18 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A minimum, mm-hmm. and then half of them are still not done getting on your nerves. Even after 18, they still want to come back home, and I pray that I can get mine to that point where you don't have to actually come back home. But um, mm-hmm. now now let's talk a little bit about your life as having been difficult, leaving you unhappy. Or are you happy now, Lynn? How did you, how did you come to that point to achieve it, that happiness? I would say persistence and determination that I talk a lot in the previous book about how difficult the early years were with um, a house fire, with people dying, with um, the alcoholism and the violence. Then um, out of that, I was pretty depressed. But I kept thinking that, you know, there are two solutions. One is my family used to had me go to church when I was a kid. And it's interesting because I went to Presbyterian, Nazarene, Catholic, Methodist, all these different churches. Um, I guess everybody in the family wanted me to try their church. So um, I got this foundation. So I knew that through what they said about God, that there must be a way to a better life than what I'd had. And then secondly, I knew that some people – we're happy, and so it's possible. And it isn't like life says, well, other people can have that, and I, you can't. I can't. No. If they can have it, I can have it too. So somehow I believed that, and I persisted. So um, when I was young, I got therapy, uh, did that for quite a few years, and then I studied a lot of different things. Oh, psychology. Psychology helped me a lot to understand um, I had survivor's guilt because my sisters and father died, and I didn't, um, all in, in this house, house fire. Um, so what is survivor's guilt? Then, um, you know, understanding depression and the things that work to heal depression, from therapy to um, exercise to medication you know, learning those kinds of things. But then I also studied um, 
religion because I wanted to know if I could. There was a part of me that knew that when I was focused on a relationship with God or with Jesus or any aspect of that, that I was happy. And that was the only place I was getting my happiness. So I I kept looking, looking. So I studied Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age teachings. Um, and various parts of Christianity. So that's when I spent time with the Pentecostals and with some New Age people. So altogether, that made that I have um, a very eclectic um, belief system and spiritual practice, and I found that spiritual practice for me was the way out. So I'm not uh, so much a Buddhist, but, but I'm... Um, I took in all that stuff and created my own. And so um, I do believe in God, but I also call God creator or source most of the time. Um, I do talk to Jesus, but I also talk to Babaji, who's a Hindu. Um, yeah, it it really formed in a way for me that um, gives me great peace and solace and that's how that the next book came about, the unfolding the mystery of self. We're not alone. Is I, you know, I can talk to Jesus. So can you? <laughs> Obviously, we're not alone. Um, and that whole spiritual path, finding inner peace through a spiritual path. So that's a long answer to your question. But I came from a really difficult upbringing to. To saying no, I I just will not have my life be this unhappy. What what can I do? And so I went and I found answers, and they're in the books. That's why the first book is called Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind, is because um, that's what I did, and I share it. And this one is Unfolding the Mystery of Self because I I grew more and learned more about myself, became more at peace. And part of that is because we're never alone. I can talk to angels and you know the love that you get in return is incredible so i may be different but i'm really okay with it because <laughs> life is really good now i bet i bet it is and i'm so happy that you are happy you live in this lifestyle that you're enjoying and, and everyone should be able to live that prosperous lifestyle but i don't want anyone to go anywhere to stay tuned with me Land here on the bright side with Technician, and we'll be right back after these short commercials. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom, but a little over a year ago, we realized she couldn't take care of herself without our help. And, well, how could I not be there for her? I had no idea how hard it would be and just what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and, even for me, ways to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. 
It had articles about the basics that got me started, but also information about the hurdles I was facing in this new role. I could even connect with experts and hear from others who had been in my place. I know this road we're on isn't an easy one, but I'm really happy to have the extra help for her and for me. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. This message is brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I spend a lot of time in my backyard. I feed the birds and the bees. I love my flowers. The color in my garden keeps the pink in my cheeks. I was very independent until I could take care of myself. I fell and I had to have meals on wheels. I love them. They're my savior. And I look forward to volunteers because they've all become my friends. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. All right, I'm back here with Lena. We'll be discussing about the happiness in your life, spirituality, most of you name it. We've been just discussing about that life of joy, the meaning and purpose. And with her wonderful book that she has out that has went number one on Amazon and books and on Kindle, Unfolding the Mystery of Self, We Are Never Alone, which is so true. We are never alone. And it goes well beyond her story of tragedy and trauma and living hope. And if you're listening to the replay, Please make sure you share this with family and friends because this is informative information, I think, and this is another valuable book that you can always add to your lifestyle, your shelf, you name it, you can. Now, um, Lynn, I guess I wanted to ask, is enlightenment possible when you don't live a monistic life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, enlightenment, that concept comes out of Buddhism and Hinduism. And we have the example of of gurus and uh, Buddha who achieved that. I would say it's the same state of consciousness that Jesus had in that they were in total connection with the God source so that they knew um who they were, why they were there, what they were to do, and they had a great compassion for other people. Um, they talk about enlightenment includes a sense of oneness, and I think that's partly where that compassion comes from, because in knowing that you are one with everyone is is the same as the concept of seeing everybody as your brother and your sister. Everybody, whether they're a good person or locked up. So there's a, a unity that comes with that. And there's a peace and a love that comes with that. And I think that those are all part of the enlightenment picture. doesn't mean an enlightened person wouldn't get annoyed because we have stories of, of these great um, teachers 
that did get irritated. We know that Jesus did. We know that Buddha did. And I can think of some of the more recent teachers that have um, reached enlightenment and you know, that they get annoyed with their students because their students ask the same questions over and over or um, aren't doing their, their own work and are asking questions so the teacher will kind of do the work for them. Um, so, yeah, enlightenment is possible, and I think there are many paths to find it. A lot of people find it through nature. People find it through meditation. And other people, more Christian contemplatives, find it through um, their quiet time with God. So it's it's a worthy goal. Um, people talk about this being a new era after 2012 and that things like enlightenment are much more possible than ever before. And maybe to think of enlightenment as um, total inner peace might be another way to say that, to make that make more sense to people. Total inner peace. Ryan, you speak you definitely speak about that throughout your book uh, about enlightenment. That, um, like one of your things I like, that is not the path to enlightenment. I chose this time. I choose full awareness with God. Example: mm-hmm. God realization ability to make a difference in the world. The ability to rescue a cat, heal a child, care about a client, write a book. All those are are part of it. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Yeah. There was a uh, Hindu. For master that I was reading and he said that there are two paths and one is the monastery and the other is being in daily life being a, um, you know one of us and that through a spiritual practice you can still have um, these lofty spiritual goals and attain them so I was encouraged by that now Lynn getting back to more of the subject you use words like Creator and consciousness As if they are interchangeable with God Why is that? Because I've encountered so many people That have had um, Difficult religious experiences That they reject the word God And yet they know That there's something in the world That is greater than them Because otherwise the world wouldn't exist as it does Or our bodies wouldn't be the amazing things That they are So there's something greater than them They just are really uncomfortable Because they've had whatever bad experiences They've had maybe with a church Or with maybe a family member You know Shoving God down their throat Instead of it being the wonderful experience Knowing God that it could be So um yeah, when I work with clients, I usually ask them what word would they prefer to use so that they're comfortable working with me versus my stepping on their toes. You know, right. And, I mean, I mean, you have learned a lot because you even mentioned that, I mean, it's so much that you have in your book that I appreciate, especially the way that you acknowledge the ones who have actually just lit that path for you. You didn't leave anyone out um your wise spiritual teachers and the authors your, who gave you that way to change your understanding, bring you those resources, offer support and love. Some you appreciated, some you didn't notice. <laughs> now you appreciate the ones that you didn't even particularly like. <laughs> right. I think that yeah. could be possible. You appreciate the ones that you didn't even like. I, I, I still appreciate, like I appreciate my professor, I didn't get to. I didn't like his method. Sometimes I appreciate him at the end for teaching me what he did teach me. Right. 
Right. That's like that no mistakes, you know, that you can look back later and go, okay, I got a lot from that person. It wasn't what I expected to get, but I got a lot. Okay. I survived it. Right. You know, you, now, Lynn, you, still, now you, you spoke of a spiritual teacher that you had connected with for almost 10 years and you spoke to every day. Do you still have connection with that spiritual teacher? Um, I run into her once in a while, um, but we've kind of gone in different directions. Uh, she's studying with the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is based on Yogananda's teachings. Um, so when we do run into each other, it's really nice and, and it's sweet, but I, I don't need to study with her or, you know, connect with her daily. She did her you know a good job with me and I grew because of those years that we had so connected oh awesome that's what I'm talking about good that you still have those connections after all that time now um also you use terms like awareness as well oneness and true self aren't they different things oh that's a good question um I see true self as the being that we are in inside of our body, um, the part that goes on and on forever, even when the body dies. So that is my true self. And I see that as energy, um, maybe a ball of light. And I, I think one of the ways that we get evidence of that is people now have cameras that they can take a photograph of your aura, and the aura is usually egg-shaped and goes out around the body a couple feet in each direction and is different colors, um, changing based upon mood and health, um, different between every single person. And if you see one of those photos, then you can see how much we are beyond our body. So a lot a lot of what I talk about in here is going beyond typical thinking and the limitations of what just our eyes show us to um, spirit. So I I hope that answers your question. So the oneness, I guess, is more about um, that you and I are the same thing on the inside and we come from the same right. place, return to the same place, and the awareness is the the realization of that. Yeah. Exactly. I do understand. I'm keep I'm keeping up with you, Lane. Look, it, it might cool. it might throw some people. I, I'm actually keeping up. Now, give us an <laughs> example of someone non-physical and how someone might come to terms with that experience. Because I have talked to a lot of guests who have had like out of body experiences, and it's mm-hmm. totally freaking me out. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the things that I say in the book on, let's see, Chapter 11, um, there are so many beings, angels, guardians, and highly evolved beings that want to help us. All we have to do is ask and receive. So there's always assistance there. That's part of the reason the subtitle is We're Never Alone. I think connecting into that can bring comfort, especially as one's parents pass on and you're more alone in the world than you were. Um, For 
people like um, the client that I have that his grandfather's often with him. That really comforted him because he saw his grandfather as a wise and wonderful man. So that comforted him quite a bit. So, but there's a difference between that, a man who's seen as wise and wonderful, his vibration is going to be really positive. It's going to feel good to have him around. Versus the ones that you were talking about in the house that were lost, their vibration is not the same. And um, it's probably been deteriorated some from when the child was a physical child to all this time that's passed. Um, so, so that's part of what's scary about it is that their um, their vibration is different. So um, I think it's easier to sit in meditation and to say, Archangel um, Gabriel, you're the bringer of messages. Would you talk to me and tell me what's important about my life? What's what's what do you want me to do next or how do you want me to share my message with the world? What is that exactly? And sit in silence or journal and and let that come through you. Those kind of ways might be more comfortable for people. Um other ways is I know one of the things I did as a in my early 20s is I was out in the forest and I sat on a big rock with a view over out over the mountainside and over the tops of the trees and I let my eyes unfocus and I saw the energy the aura of the earth and the trees and I didn't even know there was one until I saw it and it was like oh so my awareness expanded that day I knew that earth and trees, everything has life force just like I do. And so I think creating opportunity for those experiences, but in ways that make you comfortable, not disconcerting. So you know, like the, I'm not recommending going and hanging out with ghosts. I'm recommending sitting and asking God for guidance. The other thing that happens is people have guides that are with them for most of their lifetime, that mm-hmm. be kind of like parents that are whispering encouragement into your into your ears, and we're so used to them, we're not we don't often recognize them as being separate from us. We just think it's our own head talking. So one of the things that I encourage in the book is discerning when you hear something really specific in your head. Is that yours, or did someone say that to you? And, of course, you always have to decide if you're going to accept anything you hear in your head. But sometimes I'll hear something like, well, why don't you go check your emails? Because maybe that one you've been waiting for has come in. Or why don't you call your uncle? You know, he's not feeling well. I'd be like, how would I know that? Well, you know, it's one of those little voices that is encouraging me to do something that um, just makes my life better. It's just the next right thing to do. But it, it takes discernment, and that's um, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's certainly something you can ask God for, and it and God gives it in whatever way is right for you. So, um, yes, I think that every, everyone can develop greater degrees of that. And it's just a matter of asking, taking the time to listen. 
Yeah, I would agree so too. It takes it's going to take a whole lot of time. That's not something that just comes to you naturally. One of my friends, she actually she meditates, and she says she's able to hear things outside of her house because it takes more than what we actually see when we we think of yoga as an exercise, which it, it is, but it's deeper than an exercise. It's going yes. into the mentality, meditating, become a one with itself, and you know, even when you was talking about the family part. You mentioned that throughout your book. You know, we take in the messages from family, religion, our culture, and society, and then either we follow them without questioning or the opposite. We question everything. And most of the time when it be, when it comes to something that we're familiar with, we'll do it without asking questions because that's what, we, that's what we're used to as, as human beings. Yeah, well, that's what we're taught when we're young is <laughs> what, you know, don't back and accept things that you're told and do it right now. But I think part of being grown up and part of being wise is to ask questions because maybe um, the church that you were raised in is just right, but maybe you need to go deeper. Or maybe it is a different church. Or maybe, you know, some people are like me that I don't attend a particular church at all. I Anytime I feel guided or encouraged to go to a particular church, I will, any church um, or temple. You know, it doesn't matter to me. God's everywhere. And so the last time I went to church, it was, um, I kept asking myself that day, and why are you going to this church? It's a nice church. There's nothing wrong with it, but why are you going? And I didn't know until I got there, and I ran into a woman who um, was supposed to have called me the week before. And she hadn't called, and she's a person I'd like to do to work with in the future. She has some projects she wants to do, which are very much aligned with what I want to do. And so I ran into her, and we talked and connected and so on. What was really cool about that is she'd never been to that church in her life. It was her very first time checking it out. And I was guided to be there that day so that we would connect. It was really perfect. So... um I don't follow any one way, but my whole life is focused on my connection with source or my connection with God. So it doesn't even have to be a church, you know? I think that that's right. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, do, it doesn't have to be an actual church. People, I mean, church to me is, is more of a building, and people confuse it with just actually getting to know God, and I need to get back into reading the Bible and stuff with people holler, go to church, go to church. It's a building. Yes, it, it, it is for fellowship. It's, it's for gathering to meet well-liked people such as yourself who are trying to get on that right path. But it is, by the end of the day, it's a building. That's what it is for because mm-hmm. you can go to that building all day. But if you don't want to believe in Lord and you don't want to do right, then that's what it's going to still stand as a building to me. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't try to knock people from going there, but, hey, if you, you go, you go each to their own. Um, well, doesn't it depend now, upon who's in the building and what they're teaching, what kind of people they right. are? Because we know, you know, with the Catholic Church's problem with the priests molesting boys, I mean, that is not the kind of church I would send anybody to. But if it's a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit and they are um, reaching out to homeless people and feeding children in, in the ghetto, then Awesome. 
I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would too. Anything that's anything that's positive and motivating, I love to be a part of. If it's negative, no. And and we all could probably agree on this one. A lot of times you go to church, each pastor is not doing the right thing. Half of them be crooked as ever. But um, that that be another topic for us. Um, Lynn, does everyone need a guru or a spiritual teacher? Some teachings say that. Um, I've not found it to be true. I've had teachers, spiritual teachers in my life for a couple of 10-year, 15-year chunks, um, and I'm grateful for them. But contrary to those other teachings, no, it doesn't seem to be necessary because God can reach us through, um, you know, the bank teller saying something to you that makes you aware of, oh, yeah, that's right. I can have faith. God's with me. Or, um, you know, a school teacher can show a child that they love them, that they're concerned about them, that they care, that they're there for them on a daily basis. So it doesn't have to come through a spiritual teacher. We can learn through books, movies, um, and experiences, and nature. And I talk about all those things in in this book and I give another list of films that are um, spiritual and mind expanding that um, I don't know if other people will get as much out of them as I did but I sure did well I'm glad now Lynn we have this wonderful book out are you writing another book after unfolding the mystery itself yes um, I'm writing my first fiction piece and it's historical and um it's about um, two men who go off on an adventure to they're young and they haven't settled down and gotten married yet, so they know this is their opportunity to have an adventure and it's um how what they discover in the world and how the one male seems to have so much inner peace and awareness, and the other male starts studying him and asking him questions and learning and changing. And they're really sweet and touching experiences in the, on their journeys. So um, there are two books in that, in that story. And I do not know when it's coming out. I know that I'm going on a writing retreat next weekend to, um, to revise it. Like the first draft is done, but to revise it and to add in. So it's, it'll, it will come. Yeah, it will. And, you know, as always, I, I will be expecting that addition as well because I love, oh, I love your book. Man, your book's awesome. But before you leave us, Lynn, let's give the listeners where they can find your books one more time. Sure. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, my website is www.lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Cochram, C-O-C-K-R, U-M, then a hyphen, and then Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y, dot com. So lynncockermurphy.com with the hyphen. And my books are on Amazon. Um, they can be ordered through other bookstores, too. Um, they're in Kindle. They're in paperback. Oh, and if you go to my website, the com with the hyphen, you will um, you can get free chapters from each book to read it, to get a taste of it first. 
Um, and there are fr- other freebies. There's worksheets and activities. There's also my newsletter. A person can sign up to get my newsletter every month. And it's full of um, ideas, exercises, meditations, upcoming classes, and things like that. And my next upcoming class starts May 1st. It will be uh, via the Internet. Information will be on my webpage about it. And it's based upon um, unfolding the mystery of self, so exercises from that for personal growth, for spiritual growth, um, and for being okay with having your own unique spiritual path, for experiencing that you're never alone, and coming into oneness. That's that's exactly right, I agree with that and that brings me to the fact listeners once again thank you Lynn but listeners I also want you to be mindful don't forget about the affirmation nation calls every day Monday through Sunday Monday through Friday 725 a.m. Eastern time Saturday and Sunday 855 a.m. Eastern time the number to call in is 641-715-3200 pin code 656-202 pound come and get your personal growth and development every day it's nothing wrong with stepping outside your because we are not human beings, we are humans becoming beings. And the truth of the day before I leave you from my friend Mary Ellen, face your truth to keep your life moving in a forward direction. Facing the truth about yourself is always uncomfortable. It might be a small truth like not wanting to do a chore around the house or a large truth such as not being able to see your negative qualities. Most of the time your truth is evident, staring you, staring you right in the face. You see it in other people to save yourself, your ego, from facing the truth in yourself. Truth about yourself will always make you feel uncomfortable. Today, accept the fact there's no way to avoid the truth. Enjoy the day, everyone, and I'll see you next time on The Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.